All episodes of the Garage Build podcast are recorded live in the Law Fran studios. The law offices of Fran Hosh, Palm Harbor, Florida. Call 1-866-LAW-FRAN or go to lawfran.com. The law offices of Fran Hosh, serving the Tampa Bay biker community for over 20 years. Welcome back to the Garageville Podcast. I am your host, Mr. Jason Hallman. Another fantastic episode for you. This time we're talking to Rob Bidas. He's the founder of the Bagger Racing League. He is the one, uh, not pulling all the strings, but definitely he's got a lot of responsibility there, uh, making sure that that racing league gets where it needs to be. They're coming to Daytona International Speedway. Uh, during Biketoberfest. We talk a little bit about that. And so if you want to know how to follow the Bagger Racing League and want to know where they're at with it, you're about to find all that out. Hey, this episode of the Garageville Podcast was recorded in the Law of Fran studios. Call 1-866-LAW-FRAN and follow at Fran Hosh Law Group. We're also brought to you by SNS Cycle. Since 1958, SNS has led the V-Twin aftermarket from innovative new ways to get air and fuel into your performance twin to big bore kits for all big twin sportsters and MAs to today's must-have exhaust components. Follow SNS Cycles to find out about your next performance upgrade at sscycle.com and follow them on social media at sscycle. We are brought to you by Team Dream Rides in Maryville, Tennessee, located only minutes from the tail of the dragon. Dream Rides specializes in performance engine upgrades, use bike sales, service, maintenance, and repair. Visit teamdreamrides.com or follow at Dream Rides Tennessee on Instagram to keep up on all the latest news. The High Seas Rally is getting ready to sail here in a few weeks, October 29th through November 5th on the High Seas for the only motorcycle rally on a cruise ship. One week, 3,500 bikers, four Caribbean ports. Follow at High Seas Rally on Instagram. Use the code SPEEDMETAL and you're going to get 100 bucks off your cabin price. And this year, the drink card is on us. We're always brought to you by 1620 Workwear, premium made in the USA workwear, guaranteed for life. Visit 1620USA.com, use the discount code SPEED2022, and you're going to save 20% on checkout. We're the only group of people to get that big of a discount. Make sure you're following at 1620USA, and it's time to get this thing out of the garage, out onto the road. Talk to Rob Bidas from the Bagger Racing League. Enjoy. Listening to the Garageville Podcast with your host, Jason Coleman. Hello. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah. Cool, cool. Yeah, I don't know what happened. I tried to hit the button to uh, to answer the phone and it didn't want to work. <laughs> That's technology. The more we have, the less it works. I, I would agree with that statement. I would agree with that statement. Happy Friday. How are you? I'm good. Thank good. you. Same to you. Yeah, man. Getting ready for uh, another hot, wet weekend here in Florida. So that's all right. How's the weather up in every day? Isn't it? It's hot and wet here pretty much every day from Labor Day, from more late to Labor Day, and then it's starting to taper off a little bit, but it's still hot at midday. It's still hot. <laughs> so how's the weather in Ohio? You know, it's it's kind of it's unique in its own sense. Like 
a 71 or 72 degree day isn't that uncommon. Right. And an 85 or 86 degree day isn't that uncommon. So the weather swings 12, 13 degrees. You know, you have cool days and you have hot days and they mix up in the same week. Even, you know. Yeah. I'm, that's the that's the only thing I miss really about being being in Michigan is uh, or not being in Michigan is the is the weather this time of year where you can it starts cooling off and then you get a warm snap every once in a while. And I don't know, it just makes for uh, it, I think I'm hardwired for that kind of weather just by virtue of being born up there and, and raised up there that it, it still feels funny when you're down here and it's like Christmas and it's 85 degrees. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's different when you, when you experience all four seasons rather than just kind of a, a unique one, you know, Florida's kind of like summer, you know, yeah, all year long. So I appreciate you um, carving out some space to, to do this because you have a big race coming up in um, in mid-October in Daytona. It's actually... Yeah, it, you were there when we, when we announced it. Yep, yep. You had the exclusive. I know, I know. And then, you know, Torque kind of, it just, it, it didn't have, I, I don't know if the timing was off or if the, if all the pieces and parts, we couldn't make them work. There was a lot going on in COVID and, and I think that was kind of towards the end of it. And I think people were just... I think people are setting their ways and I think they're getting back to doing what they were trying to do beforehand. And then of course it doesn't help that there's all kinds of screwy things going on in the economy and politics and stuff. So God knows what's next. That's why you just got to keep your head down and keep pushing forward. Yes. Yes, we do. And I'm glad that you guys are doing that with the BRL because you know, um, I don't know how much of it that we can talk about here, but I want to talk. First thing I wanted to find out was like the true story that I heard, um, from a couple different people is, is this kind of all the impetus for the, the bagger racing league all kind of happened centered around an MVP, um, which is the dealer show for drag specialties. And it was kind of a table talk and, and you basically threw your head on the, on the gauntlet and said that this is something that you were willing to put together and put all the work into. Yeah. I, you know, I organized a, a late night sit down with, a a group of vendors. Right. And, you know, I just said, look, if this is going to happen and we're going to do it, we have to have, you know, um, like a, a real similar vision, you know, sure. Makes really, really cool bikes that perform really well. Um, that stop and handle and turn and get lighter and, and everything you can imagine, you know? And then once we're done with it and people see why you would do it, you know, like why you would do these parts. Did you see that? That thing, the guy was dragging his knee, not the floorboards, his knee around the corner. Well, on that bike. so that, you know, so you have was, a, can we do this? And they said, yes. So then it was, you know, to get it lined up and get the time. And again, you mentioned COVID that became a thing where it took the event we were going to do it at moved it much farther in the year, but kind of put it like, are, are we even going to get to do it? And then as we got close, there was talk of some fans and all of a sudden no fans. So it was like, a, like, wow, you know, this was different than we thought it would be, you know? Sure. And one of the things that surprises me, you know, cause I went to, um, you know, I followed it really close last year and I got to interview a lot of the riders and I got to go to Utah. But the one thing that I, you know, I, I know you have a very, very long history with motorcycles and a very long, long history with, with racing in particular motorcycles. Did is did you know before the vendors knew that these bikes were capable of doing 
the vision that you had for the racing league or were you surprised by that? Um, I mean, I'd seen, you know, it, it was really kind of the stunt kids that went from the dinos to the road glides. Mm -hmm. And as they were drifting them, you know, like in the really tight bull ring arenas that they ride in, you know, sure. You're like, wait a minute, if you're coming into a corner like that and you can get the lean angle to that. And if we raised it up a bit, you know, again, the things that, that would make it feasible to do it, you know, then yeah, I think they, you know, I, the very first turn of the very first race, right. That's exactly what I thought it would look like in my head. Exactly. Well, that's, I mean, that shows a lot of vision that not only the fact that you could put all this together and get all the right people in, in the room and you had some really, really great people that, that supported everything that you were doing. You have guys like Robbie Lane, Oh, Brandon from Speed Merchant, uh, Dave from Saddleman. And then you had, you know, obviously SNS is always looking for somewhere to to test some of their stuff. And and then you were able to pull in guys like Tyler O'Hara and ladies like Patricia Fernandez and guys like Corey West that well, were professional so riders. I don't want to take credit for some of this stuff because I didn't do it. I got the teams together. Okay. The, the companies. And the companies certainly built the bikes. But I tasked them with finding the riders to showcase their bike and, and let's do it with um, a, we, we wanted to come to the road racing community. We, we wanted to acclimate completely to their traditions. You know, is it from where you pit, how you pit, how you enter, how you exit, what the procedures are to start the race, you know, all of those things. We never wanted to take something that had been tried and true for decades and go no no we got a better idea i just thought that we had some unique bikes that would bring some unique parts and a real unique group of spectators to a track that they may have never been to and then they got to witness their their own style of motorcycle perform at a really high level and i hope that they would then open up the drag specialties book and go wow i need an alloy art swing arm and i need some legend reservoir shocks and i need a a trash chain conversion and I need mid mount controls from, from speed merchant and I need a front end from alloy art and on and on and on and on, you know? Yeah. But what I'm referring to is the right out of the shoot. I mean, you have guys like, uh, you know, when I went to, I, I, the only thing I could compare it to Rob was I was a, I was, I raced, I drag raced a lot. And so that was the only pit experience that I had. So when I go, when I went to the Utah and I saw guys like Pete Nowoski, set up next to Nick Trask, it was, it was very businesslike in the pits, but still everybody was having a, a good time. But what, and there, there's that. And then it was never, you know, if you, if you sat down at a bar, instead of sitting down with a bunch of motorcycle professionals and saying, Hey, listen, I think we can do this. And here's how I think it would go. If you had sat down in a bar with a bunch of bikers, I don't think that number one, you would have got the buy-in. And number two, I think that it would have been kind of a clown show and it was never a clown show. I mean, these, they went out and got guys and gals that, that were professional riders that had never ridden. I think it was Patricia told me that she had never ridden a bagger before in her life until she was on the track. I mean, and, and here they are going not that much slower than, than the bikes they had raced that were purpose built quote unquote race bikes. You know, the, the sport bike, uh, the sport bikes that they had raced. Yeah, I mean, they the, the bikes themselves, you know, the amount of torque they make, the, the stability of them, is, you know, they don't 
wiggle around too much underneath yet. You know, they, they got them pretty dialed in that way. Right. And then as they've raised them and they've narrowed the primary, that's the big Achilles heel of a, of the traditional American V twin Harley motors. The, the, the clutch side sticks out so far and it's so close to the ground, you know? Right. So, and electrics, you got to get the electrics out because there's so many sensors as you trim up the wiring harness, it starts telling itself, Hey, we got a problem. You know? <laughs> yeah. You start having that, so, all them ones and zeros get garbled. So as we get, you know, more and more and more, the bikes will become more and more, but, uh, reliable, but, um, you know, even still with the current status, it was, you know, the, the end of October and, in, in uh, 2020, I believe the very, very first time there were a group of baggers on the track. Yeah. There was a class of them and they lined up and they threw the green flag and they went into turn one and it looked just like any other spectacular road race it was colorful and spectacular and the riders were jockeying for everything you imagine happens you know yeah you know you had mentioned earlier uh, that you wanted to make sure that you did not show up at the track and try to change things that were tried and true and worked and one of the things that i was surprised about when i got to to uh utah was not just the sheer number of teams that there were but there was this whole little enclave um, like, you know, when you pull into Utah and you have the track on your left and you have like the, what I would call the pro pits. And as soon as the pro pit ended, there was like this community of people that almost had a governance with inside their, their team little tents, all the, the 10 by tens were put together and everybody was helping everybody else and everybody was working with everybody else. That's not something that happened overnight, which showed me that this has kind of been gestating for a very long time. And, uh, you know, it was like, uh, you, when you're kind of, you're dating a girl and then all of a sudden you want to make it official. It's like you came in and, and you made it official and you gave everybody a place to collect points and, um, and, and create a community and help each other and learn more. And, and I was really impressed by that, that, there, that I, to find out that I didn't know that this had been going on for a long time, that people had actually been doing track days kind of in an official capacity. Oh, there was a few guys. I mean, uh, Tony Salima and um, I'm trying to think back. Uh, uh, I can't think of Bob's last name off the top of my head right now, but he, out, of, out of Ohio, originally out of Wisconsin, he was doing them. Um, there was definitely a handful of guys that were doing track days. You know, yeah. They were doing things where they were taking them to the track, uh, the Cofords, uh, people like that. They were kind of going out and they were doing it because you know, it was, it was a unique thing. They had, they had heard maybe some 883s were raced back in the day or sure. an XR 1200 or even a Buell, you know? Sure. And so there were some people doing it, but there wasn't a way for them to go. Okay, there's some bikes that are at an amazing advantage to what we're riding. And then there's some that are similar and some that are even not as good, surprisingly, but sure. there's not a, a, just a group of what we're riding. And that's where I saw the opportunity you know, again, with the, some of the sponsors like custom dynamics and drag specialties and, and, uh, Saddleman and, and, uh, NAMS and, and, and all these, these companies like that Cobra, you know, they, they make a lot of products for the V twin market. So let's just showcase those bikes. I mean, when the big twin class, the NAMS big twin class was raced for the first time. And, uh, you know, that was the, that was 22 riders on the line. And these are on FXRs, Dinas, Softtails, and Indian Chief. Um, you know, it was, uh, 
a group of guys that had really never had a class to participate in. Right. So they came out in full force and, and they're still a strong class. And my buddy Lucas Gibo brought the Indian race bike to Milwaukee that he's going to have to battle with in Daytona and his bike DNF and oh, was horrible. And he was still on the wall cheering everybody on. So, you know, that's kind of the community that it has. Yeah, two of my favorite stories that stand out for me um, at BRL Utah last year was the first one was when I got back to the hotel that everybody was staying at, there was a, a bike out there that had been laid over. And it was a guy who had ridden all the way from, I want to say Wisconsin, on like a 2005 or 2004 small tire black street glide that he took some parts off of to race on the track. And then he, he actually went down and skidded up the tank and a few other things and put all those parts back on and, and rode it back to Wisconsin. That was one of my favorite stories. And the other one was... I don't remember who it was, but somebody blew an engine up and they took a motor out of a bike that would been ridden to the BRL and put it in there so they could race. And that was the other story that was like, that's like, to me, that's the kind we of stuff. Another one just, just this past, uh, event in Milwaukee. Um, I'm going to probably mess his last one up. I think it's Sam Guerre and he's from Canada and he's a, he's a really talented road racer. He came down to the event, he had a, you know, team with him and, they had prepped up a bike and it had a tough break during practice. Right. Okay. So they, they went into full scramble mode. Like everybody does. Everybody was pulling whatever spares they had. They could give them to try to get it back together. They got it running and it just, it just, it just wasn't right. They didn't have all the right parts they needed, you know? Sure. So now what do you do? Well, Joe Hupp from suburban Harley, who's in this championship to win it, races back to his dealership which i'm gonna say probably on a normal day is 35 minutes but it was the rally weekend so i'm sure he battled some traffic grabbed the buell that they had had in the back he had called ahead made sure it was prepped they brought it to the track the guy never rode a lap on it not even one went out for his sighting lap gritted last raced up and finished second the next day, he's going to finish second again. The leader loses the front end coming back onto the banking, goes down. Sam dips to the inside and goes 2-1 on the weekend on a borrowed bike against <laughs> the guy's team that's trying to win the title. I mean, that's sportsmanship. Bike, good enough to win, you know? Yeah, well, that's sportsmanship. Because he didn't want. It's more important for, for Joe to have as many guys and girls, obviously, sure. as we can. Well, that's something that, you know, I, I, uh, I'm a big proponent of competition and I'm a big proponent of not using competition as a negative or you know, pejorative term that, you know, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers need the new England Patriots and the Dallas Cowboys need the Kansas city chiefs. And I, I don't understand somebody not having that mindset. I think that is a, an unhealthy mindset to not, to not like competition and not endorse competition. So it's good to hear that it, that, that's still alive and well in the BR because BRL because that's what I was trying to get at that I saw that really impressed me about the group of people that are there. You know, when you've got guys like, you know, probably one of the most energetic human beings I've ever met. I've, I've only seen him had like, like a bad minute or two, never seen him have a bad day as Pete Nowoski. He's like super energetic and super positive has been my the balance of you know, my experience won, with him. He, he went back to back last race. His rider, Danny Eslick won the Saturday main event and won the Sunday main event over Nick Trask and, and, uh, Hawk Mazada <laughs> and, uh, Benny Carlson and, and, and Corey West and on and on and on. Like, yeah, 
that, I mean, that's yeah. impressive. Very impressive. He picked up two belts at the in Milwaukee. He did great. I know. I love watching. I I love watching things how they're they're starting to absolutely just uh, eclipse. Every time that you have, it seems like every time you guys do a BRL event, it eclipses the event that was previous to it. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean, I mean it in a very positive way. There seems to be more people in the stands. There's definitely more, um, more people in the pits. And one of the hey, things you say that in the stands, what's that right on the more people in the pits. So we went to Milwaukee mm -hmm. and this racetrack has a grandstand that's IndyCar ready, you know, sure. all aluminum. And, and as far as I know, it's the only racetrack, that you could really climb up a couple of rows, you know, and see the whole track. No trees, nothing in your way. You know right. what I mean? And people still stay down in the paddock against the fence. Now, they come by you, but it takes a while before they come back past you again, where if you went up and sat. So that's my only advice if you're a fan. You should go up in the stands and see what you can see because there's a lot to see. There is, and I found that out too. The, the first time I had ever been to a race course that – Love being right by the bikes and the teams. That's where the energy is, you know? Oh, yeah. I used to go to the drag strip and I would spend... Yeah, unless I was on the track or unless somebody important was was making a pass on the track, I was always in the pits. I, I just love the activity that goes on back there. I, I think it's... I think it's fun. I mean, that that's where the fun is for me. And I know everybody has, like, a different thing that they that they like to do. When I was at the BRL in Utah, I had a good time up in the suite there for a little while and the air conditioning and watching, you could see I'd never been to a road course. So it was, it was amazing to, to see that. And you guys had, uh, the people that were flying the drones, that is a skill set that just blows my mind. That is a mind blowing thing to watch the people that are operating those drones, follow the racers. It's so awesome. No, they did a great job. And, uh, you know, so far we've, you know, we've, uh, we're working on everything from the production to the pat. We're trying to improve. And, you know, we've been really, really blessed with a lot of great sponsors and, you know, our, even our tire companies that all battle for supremacy and win ads, you know, they're, they're all working together, trying to make sure it's a, you know, it's a properly, uh, everything has the right feel and everybody's taken care of. Everybody wants to see everybody line up on that line, put in their hard laps, use their racecraft, take the checkered flag, come back, back to their truck with a strategy for the very next time they're going to do it. Yeah. The problem is, is that there's so many people there when, you know, being that we, I've started following it so early on, there's so many people like Steve Chamberlain's a personal friend of mine. Tony Tucker's a personal friend of mine. I got to meet Corey West and, Patricia Fernandez, because they were the two first guests on Torque Television. And, you know, I've met uh, Benny Carlson, and I don't see his name on, on the stuff right now. And I think he's he's taking a break from racing, but you had mentioned him earlier, um, Tony. Yeah, he's, had some, he's had some tough luck, and Benny never has tough luck, but he, he's had a couple of uh, – he had a uh, crash in the, in the first day in Milwaukee, and it was one of these ones where – he was on a mission. He was closing in on Pistol Pete's rider, and it was going to be a race. And all of a sudden, he came into a corner so hard, he got the bike so tipped over in the corner that the pipe caught, picked it up, boom, off into the grass he went. And and just as, I mean, this is a bagger, a lot of carbon fiber. It's a bagger GP bike, so all this stuff, right. you know. And it got tore up. And, if you know, they took it back, and there was about a 30-minute window where they're like, hmm. 
And as they started taking it apart, they're like, well, I got a welder. Well, I got this. Well, I have that. Next thing you know, they had it back together. It competed again on Sunday. But, you know, when you were doing as much, de- you know, it, it had tore it up good. And they got it fixed and they missed something and it DNF'd again. But, man, just the amount of effort that these teams put in are unbelievable. Well, that's what I mean is it's, it's a credit to the fact that you have so many good sponsors that come in that want to want to see it happen. And, you know, so I'll be honest, some of the stuff that, that they're that they're bolting onto these bikes are not going to be available for sale in a catalog. But isn't it fair to say that there is a lot of innovation going on right now? just through the process of racing these bikes at the BRL, there have to be learning something. Nick Trask has to be learning a ton that can be applied to his production stuff. Uh, you know, Pistol Pete now has Nowoski Extreme Performance, and he's selling suspension components that are, you know, that are, he's partnered with a giant juggernaut of a company that does stuff for Indian F1. I mean, there's some really serious innovation going on here. Well, the, the best way to test... Is, is in that kind of environment, you know, you, you get everything over accelerated so that you can see actually where some of the failure points are, you know, where in street bike riding, it's kind of hard to do that, you know, kind of. And if it fails at that level, you know, that it wasn't tested enough, you know, that's a good point. That's but a good way, point. They can get the thing and go, okay, this is how, this is where the stuff, this is what it's going to do. It's going to stabilize. It's going to lighten. It's going to get the braking surface bigger, all the things that they're learning from this. Cause you know, none of the companies that that the BRL necessarily works with, we didn't build the bikes. Right. But these companies build a braking system that's better than stock, a suspension system, a, a lightening of the swing arm, a lightening of the body components like a slide fox, a repositioning of the ergonomics like uh, uh, handlebar companies like L.A. Choppers and, and on and on. And then you have seat companies like Saddleman repositioning. Then you have companies like Daryl Bassani, who build exhaust that now work with mid-mount controls, all that stuff, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, that's That's how we're benefiting as, as individuals. And to be honest with you, at, at NVP for drag specialties, they, we debuted a bike hasn't been on the track yet. We're hoping to get a shakedown in Daytona. And then next year, it's going to be a bike that Joe Hupp from suburban Harley built. It's the drag blue, white, and black bike. It's a road glide. It's, really really one of the best looking bikes we have in the paddock and we're going to try to find some some people that are really going to bring some positive attention to what we're doing to pilot the bike you know there's a lot of people that want to ride we'll just we'll have a bike that that special individual can experience this on you know sure what is the i'm noticing uh looking through like the the results and stuff like if you look at the you know the 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 column that says bike there's a lot of pan americans in there what are they doing to the Pan, Pan Americans to to track to make them track ready? Okay, this is. Thank you for giving me this chance. Indian makes the FTR, right? Harley makes Pan American. Everybody has these big, big, giant rumor number things floating around how much horsepower the Pan American makes and things like that. Now this is on a dyno and it's at the back wheel. Sure. And this is and you, and here's the thing. There's no way to tune them. Everyone's tried. The ECU's basically Fort Knox <laughs> on that bike, okay? All right. So they're running what they have. They're about 126 horsepower. The Indian FTR is right around the same. The best, one of the best battles, I can't say the best, but one of the best was Corey West, Benny Carlson, Benny Carlson, Pan American, 
Corey West Indian. They split wins over the weekend. Benny won on uh, Saturday, like the first Indian, uh, first Harley Pan American to win um, against, you know, it, and then the next day, Corey West got him. So it's a really evenly matched bike. Okay. What do you do to them? 17 inch wheels. And there's a couple bodywork things that are OEM Harley parts that fit right on. I'll leave it at that. Okay. That really slender up the package. Fair enough. I really get a nice ergonomic package. And if you just look at the bike and you look at the lineups with Revolution Motors, you'll be like, oh, I get it. That's what they did. Fair enough. So what do we, so when, so that's how you get the Pan American. That's about it. I mean, it is really, so an FTR 13 grand, I think is retail somewhere in that neighborhood. And those even come with 17 inch wheels. The Harley has a 17 on the back, needs Mm -hmm. a 17 on the front. The, and it's just a matter of some of the some of the wheels that are out there in that package just making the right spacers. It's a pretty common axle right. bolt, you know what I mean, the whole thing. Sure, the, the footprint of it. The, the FTR I always thought was a great-looking motorcycle. I thought it was a great-looking Fabulous bike. I, really, I would really thought that I could get the Indian dealers excited about it. And, I, you know, a lot of the classes are kind of tilted heavy towards Harley just because of how many bikes there are. Yeah, I think the problem with the and Indians I, is the Indian dealers is a lot of them are four wheeler and side by side dealers. That's the, I, that's what I honestly think the problem is. That's the problem around yeah, here. I know some good hardcore guys that ride hard and stuff. I know the guys at Lloyd's Garage are living this. You know, they're building race winning bikes. But I thought the FTR class, I would have 10, 11 of those and maybe four or five Pan Americans. And that was going to be the class that was Indian heavy, you know. What's the class that, that you would say? They had the the dominant number of entrants what's the class they've been around a while you know right but what's the class that if if you're if you're in an elevator uh with somebody who sees your brl hat or shirt and says oh you're with the brl and and they ask you what what class do i what's the most fun class for me i I don't i ride on the street but you know what's the class you you tell everybody oh man you gotta see this class the class our class that's growing and the class that people want to compete and they feel that they've given themselves a fighting chance is the Metzler Pro Stock Bagger class. Okay. Um, and that one's the one had, that's most... We had Clay Braun come out at the last round, um, first time on a bagger. I've seen him on a big twin, and I've seen him on sporties, and he was good, but he came out in this on the bagger, put it on, put a 2-2 up in the doubleheader weekend. He was on point. Arnie Wells is on fire, undefeated this year. You mentioned Steve Chamberlain. Uh, you mentioned Tony uh, Tucker, Tony Tucker, super solid, rusty Gerard, uh, black Charlotte, solid, got on the podium day two. Uh, Joe, Joe Sanderson, a drag specialties rep from Ohio <laughs> in the class, got a new bike. I mean, it's, it's growing. Chris Revis, yeah, Chris Revis on the Bassani bike. Oh, Chris is, Chris was building a fast bike and he is. He is closing the gap on these guys. I, I, I know that he's putting the effort and he'll, you know, when you're a champion in any, any discipline of motorsports and you get focused on something that's a little bit similar, the launches, the things like this, he's going to be a factor. He's, he's really doing the work. He's, he's gets better every week. Yeah. in it's, it's funny that, you know, I follow because oh, and Trask built a bike. Have you heard about Gunner? No, I have not yet. Oh boy. You're going to find out about Gunner rides the 86 Trask Pro Stock bike. Well, the thing about Nick Trask is Nick Trask is fiercely competitive. He is 
he, he's funny. He's uh, when you're talking to him, he the guy is such a high order thinker that you, you almost think that he's not listening to a word that you say, but he's processing every word that comes out of your mouth and not judging it, but but crafting a a narrative around what you say it, so that he can, you know, so he knows where you stand on things. He's, he's a very interesting guy to, to hang out with. He's, he's very cool. He's very cool. I'm glad so I got to meet him through the BRL. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's absolutely, yeah, I, I got to, I got to do his introduction, you know, small boy from the North Island. I know his, my favorite story of his is when he talks about the fact that he cut that little thing out of the back of easy riders to go to MMI and, and Arizona. And he thought he won the lottery. He didn't realize that everybody got picked if you, <laughs> if you mailed it in, but. Well, I've, I've been pretty lucky. I have some good friends from, from New Zealand. They are, they are a special breed of people. They are very proud. Very nice. Yep. No, they're, they're, they're a great, uh, great culture that comes there. They're, they're they're good people. They're good to have as friends. I can tell you that. Oh yeah. They are some of the, they're really, really for a small Island of super mechanically inclined. Well, yeah. I mean, that's where, that's where the world's fastest Indian came from. I mean, yeah. you know, there's some, in, there's some, they're, they're resilient. Monroe. Yep. Yep. So I'm sure I know this happened because I've heard people that are involved in it say that it couldn't be done. But when you, so the people are like, oh, you can't race those. You can't do that. What do you, how much does the bagger, how much are the baggers in the, in the pro class getting down to not the pro stock, but I mean, if you're talking the bagger GP, how, how heavy are those bikes? Is that, I mean, is that published? Is that public knowledge? How heavy are the race bikes? Yeah. Definitely the lightest Harley Davidson ever built race bike is the Saddleman race bike. The, the one that, um, Patricia was going to ride and then Corey had something come up with his Indian. So he rode it and, um, good rides. I think when I'm, I want to think the first race of the weekend, it had something mechanical and the second day it broke a belt in the clutch, if I'm not mistaken, but it's definitely the lightest and it's in the, I, I don't know exactly, but it's in the lower quarter of the 500 pound range you know what i mean 25 30 i don't know somewhere around there so they when they're if somebody's going to build one of these bikes and i'm just trying to walk people through it so they understand the process of, of how much work is done are they most of them most of them are are 600 and uh, my guess because you lose the weight with the front fender right quite a bit you know when you go to like a carbon fiber you go from from pounds ounces sure okay then the wheels you know the 17 inch wheels and obviously there's some ways to source them there's a couple of things that are out there and you know there's some people that are finding race wheels that were used for other applications that are able to make spacers and they have them right especially in reciprocating mass they take off lots of weight yeah, because if it reciprocates, it's one and a half times the weight. So if it weighs a pound, yeah. it's like a pound and a half to, to rotate it, right? So all the carbon fiber stuff, you know, so then all the, uh, you know, you're getting rid of the interfering. You're getting rid of the stereos, things like that. You know, I mean, there, there's giant ways to knock weight off. Um, so are they starting with a stock bike and taking things off or do they completely? Oh, God, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, that's yeah, what I wanted yeah. to say. Like, this isn't a, okay, so in the world of, of big wheel baggers. Yep. What you did to make that bike run a 26 was the same thing you made it do 
to run like a 32, but you had to do it again because it had to be a little more. Right. This is leave the frame alone. Put everything you can over there on the side. And if you ever go to sell this thing or whatever it becomes, you can even put it back together if you want, you know? Okay. All right. And then, so there's nothing that's like, everything's bolt on. You can't change the rake of the frame, things like that. You know what I mean? Right. None of that. So you have a frame. Now you'd have to have a motor and a transmission and it can't be, you know, some ridiculous it has to be a it, there's a 131 cubic inch limit on it you know if it's turbocharged buck seven if it's an indian challenger this but if it's an indian chief then like what's crazy hawk mazada right now second in points in the series not far out heading into daytona an air-cooled indian supercharged bike could be the champ <laughs> I forgot that the Chieftain had a different power plant than what the Challenger does. I forget that sometimes because in a Harley, yeah, no, they're basically you're moving body a, around. It could be anything you come up with for that. Gotcha. Gotcha. They're 111 inches or something, aren't they, out of the factory? To start, yeah. Yeah. Air cooled, push rods. They're kind of a they're kind of a neat they're kind of when you when you when you take away all the stuff that happened in the late nineties and early two thousands from Indians where people reappropriated the name and then you look at the fact that polaris went in there and clean sheet built the motorcycle that they built i kind of like the chieftain i think I, I like the aesthetics of it and obviously you know on paper uh i think the indian is a um on on paper is a is a is a far more um advanced bike than than a harley Harley bagger is, you know, with the monoshock in the back and, uh, you know, the, the, the frame, the, the design, the way that it is. And that it's kind of cool, you know, when they inverted forks and Rembo radial mount calipers, the whole deal, I, it, it, it's definitely, an, it makes for an interesting conversation. No, I mean, it, it's a, it's a lot for the dollar, you know, mm -hmm. what they have. And, and they're, you know, like I said, I, I, I'm aware of some dealers that, that I think do a great job with the brand and the Indian brand, you know, yeah pushing it and being excited about it, riding them, you know, wearing the apparel, all that stuff. So yeah, I, I, I'd hope to get a few more. And I think we will get a few more of those dealerships involved, you know? Well, so one of the things that I heard, uh, so I want to talk about some of the, some of the rumors that go around and it's not necessarily with the BRL. It has to do with another racing organization. Um, and I knew a couple of racers that were like these first off the track, if they, if they put it at the wrong track, it wears it. I'm trying to parrot what I was told because I'm talking kind of out of school, Rob, because I don't know this for a fact, right? I'm a, I look at everything. If, if it comes to motorsports, I know a lot about drag racing, but I was told that, that having it at the wrong track means you're wearing the engine out and having too many races during the year means that it's, it becomes a rich man's sport, not a sportsman level investment financially so can you talk on that a little bit about why you choose the tracks that you do and the schedule that you have can you speak on that i mean the tracks we try to find places that you know we could showcase the bike showcase the riders but you know we try to look at it from you know the expensive again these are companies that make parts they're taking their whole staff everything we can't have them blowing up motors so we try to find places that are conducive to the bikes you know good torque coming out of the corners get a couple gears and then set up with the good brakes and increase ground clearance and stuff we had a great track in utah really suited these bikes well 
you know now we're the- going to daytona which is the exact opposite of what i just said but that's our year-end race and and unfortunately if we have you know something mechanical they have a while to get it prepped up before 23. well i had a question about that that's one of the things i wrote down here is that you know um the the bagger racing in utah when i when i went there that was the first track that i had been to that was uh, a road race course right i had never been to anything like that and i have been to daytona and seen the races there and i've been to other nascar tracks and seen races there that were not quote unquote you know um uh, they didn't have they turned right and left for for lack of a better term what kind of what kind of setup is going to be at daytona is it oval is it is it you know no it's uh they they use quite a bit of the banking but as you would come down into i believe what they call nascar one you dive down to the infield of the racetrack kind of reversed and similar to what we did in milwaukee the milwaukee track was just a mile as compared to how massive daytona is but you dive down and you jog through the infield then come back up on the banking and you know race your way around uh we're we're working with the crew from ccs which is uh azra and they're doing some some, they're doing some pretty serious awards down there for their series and then they bring us in on uh friday for our qualifying and our practice and then on Saturday, they're bringing us in for our feature. Right after we come out of lunch break, all six of our exciting classes will be on the high banks of Daytona Speedway. For for somebody like you that calls an innumerable amount of races in the last few decades and the involvement that you've had in motorsports on two wheels and the, the engagement that you've had at, with all these different manufacturers, when you go to a track like, like Daytona, and this is this is you know you're not only the only one doing this, but you are definitely the one that is is driving the the majority of the direction that the BRL is going in. What does that feel like to be at a track that has the kind of history that Daytona has? I mean, it's kind of probably every emotion you have from humble to proud to excited to nervous. I mean, bundle them all in. It's like a jelly bean bag, you know, everything <laughs> in one bag. Did you? I mean, it's. Were you, you know, how excited crazy. were you the first time that you like, so talk to, talk to me about, since you're talking about how the, all those different emotions, how do you think this will compare to the first time that the flag dropped at the BRL during, during a main after, after you had gotten through the, the, the qualifiers and stuff like that for the first race when, you know, cause you'd mentioned there was no fans there, right? It was the one that was in, it was in California. Was it not the one that you did with yeah, it was in California? Um, we, we were, it was the same group of people that it, it was almost like we were making something, but we weren't privy to it because we were doing it. Meaning we got done the first day of practice, which was on a Friday. Right. You know, I mean, really, we were the first practice of the day, too. <laughs> it wasn't like, you know, we were all at one thirty or 2. We were the first practice. So there was nobody really there then. And then we did it. And then... We were kind of walking around and fixing everything that had been broken and talking and what we got to do and, and on and on and on and, and kind of oblivious to it, to be honest with you. And then we went back to the hotel that evening. And as we were kind of hanging out and you weren't really allowed to hang out. So you weren't even really by each other, but there was this one area where we could conjugate, I guess. Right. And somebody pointed out that the uh, internet was going bananas and as we went for the first one, that's how the world saw it was on the internet. Sure. 
Yeah, we all did. I mean, here at the shop, yeah. we, we ended up, uh, I, I believe it was the Monday. The internet had gone crazy over the course of the weekend. We got to work on Monday because we were still working here. And we're in Florida for one. And two, it was a bike shop. So we were considered, quote unquote, essential, right? We we watched it. We put it on the big screen here in the conference room. And we all just sat there. That was our meeting that day. It was <laughs> <laughs> watched all the BRL highlights. Everybody kind of like connected to the Apple TV with their phone to throw what they had saw up on YouTube up onto the, under the big screen. It was actually, it was, it was pretty cool, man. I got to tell you, like there was a lot of people and I was kind of one of them. Like, I, I didn't think it couldn't be done, but I was like, I don't, why, I don't, I don't know why that I don't understand hey, why they're me, doing there it. There was so many people that did not think it could be done. My favorite I was mean, we, hey, the teams that did it, the yep. teams that did it, Fred Fox, he was the one that greenlit the sponsorship side of it so that it could happen. Right. And, and, and the group of human beings outside of the group who said yes to the race. And Fred, myself, two other people, they're like, what? You know? Yeah. So it, yeah, it, it, it was not. I've had a couple ideas like this where people are like, and then they see it like, oh, like that. My, so. my favorite was we interviewed, uh, we interviewed Roland Sands and you know, I, I believe he, he's spending most of his time over at the other organization, but the, the only reason I'm bringing him up is because this is somebody that is a fairly high profile person in our community. And he was like, he goes, I thought it was the stupidest thing I'd ever heard of until he actually went and saw it and got to do it and be involved in it. Right. So the, I think there was a lot of people that had that. Are you afraid that it's, and I'm, this is kind of a silly question and it's not, I'm not trying to ask you like some canned nerf toss. I, I'm being honest is like, do you, do you think we'll run out of innovation or do you think we'll, do you think this'll, do you think this'll get bigger and bigger and bigger? And the reason why I'm asking that is because it's going to eventually take some pretty serious factory support. It's going to take some pretty serious money to, to, to become a juggernaut. Or do you, do you see it just kind of cultivating naturally and organically with the people that you have now and kind of growing over well, a long period of time? I mean, you obviously want it to grow. And, you know, I think one of the ways that we can do that is trying to keep it, you know, where it makes sense. You know, go to the places where it makes sense. Go to the times of the year that it makes sense to go there. You know, maybe you're already there, whatever, and... uh we're going to do some, we got some big plans for 23 that will address everything from the cost to the locations to how we're going to proceed to move forward. And I, and I want to move forward with everybody, you know, sure. So we're going to find locations that lend itself to the group and there will be. So you guys are on the West, you guys do stuff in the West coast. You do Sonoma, you do Wisconsin, you do Utah. Now you're doing, um, you're, now you're going to do Florida. We're, we're trying to really spread it around. I mean, we're trying to give, you know, because I know that there's a lot of people that that want to do this. Okay. But, you know, to go, well, where you got to go? This is if you live in Georgia or you live in the Carolinas. Yep. Or you got to go to Utah or you got to go to Sonoma. You're like, hmm. And again, for the first time, you know. Right. But if it comes closer... And you're like, okay, now I don't have the same rationale to not go and try this. Sure. Then my, my, uh, my experience with any type of racing is if you make the commitment to physically go race, 
that first time you'll be nervous and you'll have all of that jelly beans that you can imagine, but there's nothing that you can do that compares to it. Nothing. You can't practice. You can't go to a track day and get that. Can't no, you it. can't practice racing, can you? You can practice riding, uh-uh. but you can't. You, oh, sure. You can't practice. Work on your technique, get yep. better and better, and you should do that. But if you want to see what your heart rate, what the world looks like through, you know, get on a starting line. Have somebody standing 25 feet off to your right that says here in about four seconds, I'm going to throw this thing and everything's game. All hell breaks loose. And, yeah. and you know, and you, you it, it's cool because in going, going back to, you know, when I, when we first started talking, I talked about some of the, once we, you know, acknowledge some of the people that help get it out of the starting blocks and are still kind of being innovative and guys like Robbie Lane, who I, I've become friends with and peripherally through, through doing media and stuff. But when you look at the professional level of racers that you have, and and you look at the the lineup that you have of people that maybe are not professionals that no one knows who they are but them and their friends this is an organization where if you want to go racing this is an organization that i think you should go racing i i just feel like there is so much opportunity for different things because you didn't call it one thing you call it the bagger racing league but it doesn't there's no limitations there. You know, there's, there's the old track potential. There's the, you know, I don't know. There you're big in flat track. I mean, that's something that you've, you've hung your hat on for, no, these, for many years, aren't you? Are, no, no, no. I'm not saying that. Baggers in particular, but yeah, I mean, what, what we have six classes. So if you have an American V twin, yep, which would be your Harleys. And I mean, you show up on a, on a board track racer. I got class for you. Lightweight twins, you yep. know? You want to show up on a 1965 panhead? You're in pro stock. You know what I mean? Like we got a class for you. So, but it, I want to get these riders when they build these bikes, you know, to, to go experience what it's all about. You know what? What way better brakes and improved ground clearance and the ergonomics of the bike and the suspension working in these hits and just all the different things that you're like, wow, this is really a changed motorcycle. And that's the thing you could do with the Harley canvas. You make it anything you want. You make this thing a chopper if you wanted. Yeah. You know, but you make it something that's much more precise, much more, um, you could ride it in a, in a more sporting manner, you know? And what I meant by the flat track thing was I wanted people to know that people that don't know you to know that you're, your motorsports in your head oh, is motorsports. Yeah. So when you conjured up the idea to do this, that doesn't mean that this is either your a your last idea or b your best idea. There's something else. You know, you are an innovative person, and you're thinking of all of these different things. So I was just trying to paint the picture that hey, this know, weekend, this weekend coming up, mm-hmm. Pit Bike of Nations, twelve countries bring their three best riders to Redbud Buchanan, Michigan, for the Motocross of Nations. And we entertain probably 25,000 crazy campers from around the world. That's this weekend. Right. Yeah, we got some stuff coming. Trust well, me. well, that's what I mean. And we're going to add a lot to our, uh, I mean, I thought we were innovators when we had the Arlen Nest bike show. I thought we were an innovator when we had the Bassani stunt show. And we're going to bring more and more and more of that stuff. Dude, it, it, Just it's... over the, the course of the last year and a half, I've had a chance to talk to a couple people that really have some unique talents and, uh, entertainment so we're going to see about you know 
all of those components. Yeah, I just I was just saying there's there's plenty of opportunity for, you know, full on immersive experiences that are uh, you could make this, I don't, this is probably not the best, but I mean, more of a festival kind of a thing where it's not just show up at the track, watch people race and go home. There's lots of opportunity. Like you said, the Bassani stunt show, if you haven't, if you haven't watched those guys ride and they literally, I mean, they put on a long show, Jason Pullen and, and his wife, Ange and, uh, Samoan Bruce. And then there was all these other riders that I got to meet that, I hadn't heard of them, but they were they were very adept at what they did, and they have kind of a little. They've got some showmanship and a program that they work in together, and then they all kind of have their own unique, uh, their own unique footprint away from that too. That's very awesome. Yeah, that's that's yeah. They are something special, Daryl and uh, Gary. When they make the call, Jason brings out all the stops. So let me ask you this then. So it, let's just say everything's going swimmingly and it is, and, and everybody's really happy. Is there going to be a chance for like, so what is your Daytona 500 for BRL? Is there one? And do you see one come? If not, do you see one come something like that coming? Oh, uh, we're working on some things for next year that, you know, I believe will, will help immensely in, in every category. So I'm going to keep a little bit of that close to the vest, but I mean, yeah there's things that i i think that we might be able to accomplish in the next year that could take it to yet another level of uh yeah i've seen that you know sure because you think about how many people have physically seen it of the and let's be honest i mean there's there's well over they're in, in the millions of harleys of davisons that are on the road correct right I mean, but you know <laughs> To see this live flat track racing, it's been around for decades. Road racing proper, been around for decades. Motocross, supercross, 50 years this year. Right. This is less than 20 races ever in the world. Yeah. They and finally had one over in uh, in France at, at, a, at a pretty unique little track, and it was eight street bikes. But they did it. Yeah, well, and, and there's there's no reason why there couldn't be a BRL Europe or something like that down down the road. And the uh, the other thing is too is the the sheer level of if you want to know what's going on in the BRL, you don't just follow the BRL page. You can follow the BRL page. You can follow Alloy Art. You can follow Nawaski. All of the riders have really strong social media preference uh, uh, presence. You know, Patricia Fernandez, Corey West, uh, Tyler O'Hara, who I got to interview last year, who's totally one of the nicest guys I'd ever met. And Barry, um, that was the first time, Rob, that I had ever interviewed somebody that uh, I felt this what I would call scary energy, not negative, but scary energy, where that guy was dead serious about everything that he was i mean he, you know he was there was no he was pulling no punches i mean I, I it was it was very cool and i appreciated the opportunity that you guys gave me last year to be down in the garages there and being able to be the guy who got to stuck a microphone or stick a microphone in someone's face as they're pulling their helmet off it was it was very cool it was it was a very very good experience it, it taught me a lot that weekend thanks that's cool that you say that yeah man it was it was it was really 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 cool. So, 
I want to I want to finish up here talking about Daytona because this is a big event for you. This was to, to do the Daytona. There's going to be a meet and greet on Wednesday at uh, Destination Daytona in the Pavilion, right? Because Shelly Rossmeyer has been very very supportive of everything BRL, and um, you know that is a that is a dealership family with a really really long history of supporting lots of different things that go on in the motorcycle community. So tell us about what's going to happen on Wednesday, and then kind of walk us through the weekend. Uh, we're hoping right around 4.30, we have a little ride-in kind of showcase and let you really hear what the race bikes sound like. A um, little uh, pen, paper, autograph, uh, get some photos, get some content if you need to get some for your websites and different things. We hope to have the newspaper invited everybody to come out and basically kick off A, Bytoberfest, and B, kind of make our announcement that we're, we're coming to Daytona and we're here, you know? Nice. On Saturday, there'll be a lot of... Uh, track day if they choose to participate if they don't choose to participate in the track day um probably a sightseeing day for most move in get set up uh the garage factor is back again so uh, the folks from ccs were nice enough to make sure all the all the drl folks are in a similar garage if you're walking around down there i believe it's the yellow garage is the best way to describe it there's blue ones and yellow ones nice the yellow ones cool um Thursday for the track day. Friday, we practice and qualify. And we'll do our best to put up on Bagger Racing League and everything where all the times are for those. And then Saturday, we'll we'll have a practice in the morning. And then they'll go through some races. CCS will, and they have plenty of them. They come to the lunch break. And when we come to lunch break, we'll have our six classes. And they'll carry on. But we'll have the BRL experience down there in Daytona. And we're looking for some good weather. Uh, they do run rain or shine. It's supposed so to be cool that weekend too, because uh, we're wa we're watching the weather here for that weekend. We have a big we have something pretty important happening in our family that weekend. I unfortunately can't be there for the whole weekend in Daytona, but it should be some really fantastic cool weather. And if that's that's always good for racing, I think it makes the track sticky, right? And it makes the the engines run good, and make power. I think it's cool. Yeah, no, I agree. Are you going to have like a, vent, a vendors midway? That was one of the things that I really dug at, uh, at Utah that there was like a vendors midway where there was, it felt like um, it was very, very inviting for um, somebody who was there to watch the race that really, you know, that they have a bike at home. They're trying to kind of do stuff on the street. I felt like that was, that was pretty awesome. Yeah. And we've, we've also added since you've been there, uh, the BRL speed shop, all of our merchandise, all of the, parts you know somebody needs a brake lever thing or one of the fans go hey do you have and you're like yeah i've got that right here yeah you i know? saw that on so, the brl i was on there this morning the brlspeedshop.com and you have you've got your merchandise but you've got fueling alloy art basani trask all of the saddlemen sly fox all of the people that are helping you uh make this thing move are represented on, on your on your store there's seats and, and everything that's 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 awesome and that's a that's kind of what I was talking about. You have this virtual manufacturers midway to where this, and these are the same parts. Are they not correct me if I'm wrong, but these are the, the same parts that they put on the Sly Fox bagger right here on this page. Well, I mean, there are a lot of the race teams will come and surprisingly as well stocked as they are with spares. That I need a, you know, a fly by wire throttle assembly, you know, right. things like that. And they haven't. So that's how these racers are able to make it a little bit easier on themselves. Frank and his crew have done a good job of, of getting everything, you know, um, 
that they need. You know, they talk to the teams and, and they've been at a few events now, so they know what they what they want on the truck. One of the things that I didn't want to I didn't want to fail to mention that you've done better than anybody. And I give I give you this a credit, you know, or I credit this with you because of your uh, your racing background is that you have created a rider school. Let's talk about the rider school. Because to me, well, that is like one of the most well, important things of, you can do. Part of, um, no, it's, it's, it's one of their things in road racing, not to go road racing. You go to a track day, but if you want to line up and, you know, grid and, you know, have the transponders on the bike, the whole bit, you've had to have a, a completed their, their racing school. And the racing school is not necessarily about uh, Technique. how fast you are right. it's more about that you know every scenario that could come up there's oil on the track there's a crash there's a way to get off of the track by you know doing a movement with your leg or your hand or whatever to tell everybody that could be coming up on you at top speed i'm moving to the right i'm leaving the track i'm going to chop the throttle there's no more you know go around me don't you know mm-hmm. and if you successfully do it and obviously show everybody because they have a mock race at the end that you can be as good as you want or as cautious as you want, but you know what the protocol is, you know? Right. And, um, once you do that, you're able to then, uh, sign up for the races, meaning the amateur classes, you know? Mm-hmm. And then as you acquire points, you can certainly move up to the, uh, to the more advanced classes. Well, I just think that's important that people understand that, that this is not, again, it goes back but to it, the, but at every track you, we the Daytona, there's one on Thursday. There you go. You go to the team hammer, I believe teamhammer.com and you can sign up for a race school right there. And what is, what is the, what is the, the investment for that? Like, I mean, walk, walk people through that. Cause I'm, I'm, they're all a little bit different. Not money. I'm talking about like you got to have. Obviously, you need to have requisite safety equipment, things like that. What are those kind of oh, things? Yeah. Leathers and helmets and boots and gloves. I mean, that I think that goes without saying. But the cost of the school, I want to say three hundred bucks or so, somewhere right in that neighborhood. Could be two fifty. You know, right. right in that, right in that. Not not a ton. Yeah. Well, I wanted everybody to know that it was. I mean, this is. And it's a one-time investment. You know what I mean? Yeah. The BRL is not is not a. Tra- this is not a glorified track day. This is a racing sanctioning body with rules and regulations. And like you said, yeah, one of the, op- the one of the opening statements you said is you wanted to make sure you you stayed in line with social constructs and the way that things get done on a regular basis at these racetracks and that's important that that helps legitimize what you guys are doing aside from you could throw mo- all the money in the world at something it doesn't make it right it doesn't make it good well for instance the first time and 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 throughout so far we've been very lucky luke leatherman from fueling brings us ben bostrom mm-hmm. he knows exactly you know what to do sure and if we do it the way you're exactly supposed to do it he just does it that way you know like it's not um, yeah, it's not, you know, like, oh, no, we're doing it this way now, Ben. The way you did it for 25 years and, at, you know, the world championships and things, that's way different. No, just like that. If it's, four, if it's four quarters in football, we're not trying to play three with, you know, a 20-minute quarter. We're, is it four and 15? That's us. Yeah, you know? well, that's what I meant is that, is that this was, a this was you know, anybody that has any kind of questions or any kind of, you know, if they've been to one and they're they're accustomed to it, it's 
just like that. Yeah, that's awesome. So uh, we're coming up on, that's going to be the weekend of the 15th is Saturday, 14th. So the right. 13th well, is going to be the, the th- or the 12th rather, is going to be on um on Wednesday, 4.30 in the afternoon at Destination Daytona. That's where the BRL is kicking off everything for that week. There's track, there's the, the testing and qualifying on Friday. Um, the yellow garage is where you're going to, you're going to get to see, um, the, the pits and all that stuff. And man, I, I really appreciate it, dude. And, and, uh, I need to get in the same, we need to go to Hooters again, you and I for lunch. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, thanks for your time. I appreciate it. I hope, uh, we see all your, uh, all your listeners out there and I appreciate the time as well. Thanks a lot. Yeah, man. I'll see you on Wednesday. I'll get over there one way or other and, uh, and, and see the driver or the riders and stuff. All right, you take care. All right, buddy. Thank you much. So long. Bye.